Welcome to episode 144 of The Climate Champions. Check out past episodes on theclimatechampions.com. I'm Lee Crevat, host of The Climate Champions. If you or someone you know is a climate champion, please let me know at crevatenergyinnovations.com. This week, my featured guest is Dr. Surinder Singh, CEO and co-founder of Relyon Energy. Dr. Singh is an entrepreneur, scientist, and visionary technical and business leader, innovating batteries, energy storage systems, energy management, fuel cells, microgrids, hydrogen, and carbon capture. He focuses his expertise on evaluating technologies and implementation strategies for low emission and low carbon footprint power production. His mission, a decarbonized energy system. This podcast is being brought to you in part by the Department of Energy's Advanced Grid Research Group, whose purpose is to accelerate innovation in electric transmission and distribution technologies and create next-generation devices, software, and tools to help modernize the electric grid. The Climate Champions is also sponsored by the Gridwise Alliance. Uniting grid modernization experts from across the electricity industry, the Gridwise Alliance promotes grid innovation for a decarbonized economy. To learn more, visit gridwise.org. Rely on Energy is more than doubling lithium-ion battery life and performance by repurposing Second Life EV batteries as stationary battery energy storage. They've developed a distributed control architecture backed by a physics-based machine learning and artificial intelligence that extends the life of batteries by over 20 years with minimal degradation, while maintaining one-third the cost of other battery energy storage systems. Welcome to the Climate Champions. I'm Lee Krivat, and I'm here with Surinder Singh. He's CEO and co-founder of Relyon Energy. Surinder, welcome to the Climate Champions. Thank you, Lee. I'm glad to have, be having this conversation. Looking forward to it. Me too. I love batteries. Great. With regards to climate change, what was your motivating moment? What got you started on your journey to do something about it? Uh, Lee, that's an interesting question. So I started on climate tech before it was known as climate tech. So what got me introduced to climate change and addressing climate change was 20 years ago, actually, when I came to the U.S. to do my Ph.D. in chemical engineering. And my Ph.D. advisor was Dr. Joe Norbeck, who came from Ford Motors, actually, and um, started uh, this initiative at the University of California, Riverside, where we were uh, developing new technology with respect to hydrogen production and utilization through alternative methods with zero CO2 footprint. So while I was doing my PhD, that got me really introduced and motivated towards climate change. We were in the early stages where we were recognizing that CO2 emissions have been causing a lot of problem. And we need to develop technologies which can either reduce CO2 emissions or we make energy through alternative methods. That was uh, the motivating point, And I have continued throughout, uh, you know, in my career to continue on that journey. Following UCR, I went to General Electric to do uh, continue my work on climate change, developed many different technologies on carbon capture, solid oxide fuel cells and batteries and so on. So basically what started as, as a pre-PhD grad student 
introduced me to this journey that have been continuing for you know more than 20 years now do you have any personal drivers with respect to you know our future generations if we are not leaving our planet in the way that we had actually received it or inherited it from our previous generations then we are not doing it right if you're looking at 2050 and the end of the century at 2100 with the temperature rising by more than 1.5 c and and a lot more then there is a big problem that we have created and so the motivating factor for me is that actually we should leave the planet in a state that actually our kids and our grandkids can enjoy for many many generations to come when you meet people that don't agree with what you're saying that don't think that we're causing any climate change how do you try to convince them otherwise so i'm a scientist by background i'm a technologist uh, as i mentioned so i did a did a phd and then actually wrote scientific articles and journals in reputed journals and so on there are two things that i would you know mention to all the folks that do not believe in climate change so one is you know we can always listen to the scientists of the world more and more number of scientists with a very large majority are actually continuing to tell and educate other people uh, in terms of the effects of co2 emissions on you know all of our environment that is one so listen to always the scientists right so for example let, let me take an example right so if we have a heart problem would we go on you know youtube and listen to you know <laughs> the many different uh, things that are available over there or would we go to the heart surgeon or doctors and ask what is wrong and how to fix it and the same thing is actually i i would say for you know climate change folks or the believers and the non believers is to listen to what actually the scientific community is telling us so that is one the the second very important reason is that nobody i think would argue the point that we should have as clean an energy generation as possible so that we leave the environment as clean as possible so if we're talking about sustainability and circularity and renewable energy and clean energy irrespective of the fact that whether you believe in climate change or not this is a no brainer we should be doing things as cleanly as possible and that is what we should convince everybody to do a third reason i'll add is because these days it's starting to become the cheaper option the less expensive way to go about it so why wouldn't you save money that's correct uh, very correctly identified lee and, and and said there are additional things where you know when when we talk about technology becoming cheap and you know you can generate power cleanly and efficiently through economic ways what is important to also understand is how do we keep our power generation for example as reliable as possible so having grid reliability is is very important so we need to find ways in which we can have renewable power generation at the same time as keeping our grid as stable as possible and so there are you know multiple technologies that need to work hand in hand together to make it happen i walked right into that because of course i know you're into energy storage i mean the name of your company is relyon energy so that's what you're all about so why don't you talk a little bit about what you do and what your company does to help that reliability for the grid there's two very important reasons with respect to why energy storage is actually critical for our power generation needs so the first is if we talk about solar and wind for example these are renewable energy technologies likely you were mentioning that they have become so economical that they are actually more economical than other alternative methods but at the same time they have challenges related to 
reliability and also actually intermittency for example so the sun doesn't shine you know 24/7 and the wind doesn't blow 24/7 so what we need to have is a form of energy storage such that we can actually go through the time periods when these technologies are not producing while the you know the consumption is continuing and that is where energy storage becomes really important and lithium ion batteries have tremendously come down in prices a decade ago versus where we are now more than 90% actually reduction in batteries have taken place and they have been really useful on two fronts both on the transportation sector side and then also on uh, the grid side as well so with the battery prices coming down it has become really economical for battery energy storage systems to balance the grid when the sun is not shining and when the wind is not blowing what we are also doing as a reliant energy is going one step further where we are taking actually batteries that are retiring from the transportation sector so from the evs that are coming offline we're taking those batteries and repurposing them into their second life as stationary battery energy storage system this has huge number of benefits in the sense that one it completes the sustainability of the battery so you're utilizing batteries for as long as possible in their second life which can be as long as actually longer than 10 years to 20 years even second very important reason is that there is a limited supply of battery raw materials that are available across the world but uh, on top of that the manufacturing scale up that is needed for new battery manufacturing is not at the pace at which the demand is growing both from the transportation sector side and the stationary energy storage sector side and so what we are doing is if we are utilizing batteries that are retiring from the evs we are utilizing batteries that do not need remanufacturing or do not uh, require resources to be uh, remined and then remanufactured into new batteries so what we are talking about for example is there are 200 to 300 gigawatt hours of batteries that will be retiring per year by 2030 onwards and every time this number gets updated it only goes up so what this number is equivalent to is 200 to 300 gigafactories coming online every year so that is the scale at which we are talking about actually repurposing retired ev batteries and then supporting our grid the last piece that i'll add is in terms of geopolitical sensitivity so for example when we are talking about battery materials that require lithium ion battery manufacturing we are talking about nickel cobalt lithium and so on and these materials as everybody would recognize are mined across various countries that are sensitive on various factors including chile congo and china so when we are repurposing batteries we are creating actually local economies where the batteries that are present already in the countries they can be utilized to support the grid actually within those countries so you do not need to actually get in additional material from the outside so all of these factors combine together and become really important in terms of the product uh, and the technology that we are building at reliant i'll give you a fourth reason and that is there's a lot of carbon associated with mining for those materials and then manufacturing those batteries so all that carbon is also reduced if you're recycling yes lee very important point actually there is 450 tons of co2 emissions that are emitted for every megawatt hour of batteries that are manufactured so the the scale that i mentioned earlier 200 to 300 gigawatt hours of batteries retiring per year if we combine all of that actually we we have really deep estimates with respect to how many co2 emissions can be avoided 
and those go up to like gigatons of CO2 emissions per year, all the way going up to even tens of gigatons of CO2 emissions per year as we move to 2050 onwards. I should mention, since I mentioned that batteries create a lot of emissions right now when they're constructed, that it's still better to have an EV than an internal combustion engine ICE vehicle. It does take a while to pay back that emissions cost of the battery construction, but it's better than burning gasoline. Absolutely, 100%. Yes. What we're talking about is actually how do we get better and better at, you know, reducing CO2 emissions and avoiding CO2 emissions. So there is no doubt about the fact that electric vehicles are significantly better in terms of CO2 emissions. Can you talk about your prior background? How did you get to be CEO and co-founder of a company that's doing such important work? Lee, yes. As I mentioned, after my graduate studies, I worked for the corporate world, started with General Electric, GE, and worked with GE for close to 10 years. And that got me introduced to additional climate tech areas where I worked on developing technologies with respect to carbon capture and solid oxide fuel cells and battery energy storage and so on. Following GE, I uh, was approached by a company called Nice America Research, which was the corporate research arm of China Energy. And China Energy is actually world's largest in many different areas, including total power production assets of more than 200 gigawatts, uh, renewable power production assets of more than 60 gigawatts, and coal mining and coal to chemicals, unfortunately. But what that translates to was that China Energy was interested in developing a strategy in terms of becoming decarbonized. And my role was as a carbon management and energy management leader to create and develop technologies that would set a pathway for the company to lower the CO2 emissions from more than a gigatons of CO2 emissions per year to getting a strategy to getting to net zero. And so what I did over there is, again, develop technologies with respect to lithium-ion batteries, for example. And that is where I met my co-founder, who actually also has 20 years of experience from various large corporates, including HP and NEC. And both of us had shared the same mission and passion that what batteries did for the transportation sector was tremendous in terms of decarbonizing it. But there was a gap with respect to how do we address the sustainability of these batteries. To address this gap, both of us got together and launched Relyon to develop this second life technology so that we can utilize the batteries for as long as possible before they can be recycled. You mentioned China and their desire to decarbonize. And very interestingly, about 10 years ago, I was invited by Accenture to speak at an energy conference in Beijing. And one of the top people in China, I think the number two person in government spoke, and it wasn't a renewable conference. It was just an energy conference. So it was all types of energy, but he spent the entire time talking about the need to decarbonize. And it really changed my perspective. I realized that the problem was definitely seen and there were other factors for why they were still producing coal and so on that they have to figure out a way around, but it wasn't that they were blind. To the issue, they totally got it. I 100% agree with you on this. So, you know, with the two largest economies in, in the world, we have to make sure that everybody is, is on board with respect to decarbonization. Working for Nice America, uh, which was the subsidiary for China Energy, what I recognize is that 
there is very strong motivation from the company and also the the nation itself and the leadership of the nation they recognize that actually decarbonization is important throughout the world and they are developing technologies and developing pathways as to how to become decarbonized and have lower co2 footprint the way you described your career was pretty much a straight path doing more interesting and exciting things but did you have any setbacks along the way <laughs> there there's there are challenges uh, with respect to everything um, that you would want to develop and uh, both on the technology side and on the business side maybe the one of the challenges or the setbacks that comes to my mind is just unfortunately what the relationship between us and china has de- deteriorated to both the countries recognize that climate change uh, is happening and it is important to address it if the relationships were better i think we could have moved much faster uh, but at the same time the positive uh, silver lining to this is that even though the relationship could have been better but at the same time both the countries are still moving forward with respect to what needs to be done to address climate change even within the united states there isn't agreement on the issue it would be nice if there was peace because then we can move a lot faster now we're still moving forward but two steps forward one back it seems like i really wish everybody could just say yes this is a problem let's fix it but more and more actually what i see right now is there there is strong support in terms of what we need to do and specifically actually if we talk about you know the ira the inflation reduction act that was recently passed that is a game changer that is a huge step forward in terms of what needs to be done and how we can do it so i'm very encouraged to the fact that actually you know united states is taking a leadership position on this and then we are moving forward in leaps and bounds I'm very excited about the bill. I'm very excited about what we're trying to do as a country, but still when I look at the weather that we've had in July, let's say we set records in early July, we're setting records in mid-July. It just boggles my mind, I guess, that everybody isn't on board with going as fast and hard as we possibly can. I am getting more nervous. I guess that's that's what I that's my perspective. That is correct and unfortunately july was a time frame where many parts of the world we had so many disasters with climate change what is happening is that we are just going to see more and more extremes you know more droughts and more floods and more you know more of these disasters happening all across the world it is very real and it is happening and that is what i think we sh- we should recognize that we should get the urgency with respect to addressing this climate change problems and we need to move faster we do not have a uh, 100 years to solve this problem this is something that we need to do it right now and fast i agree 100% what success are you most proud of i'm really proud of actually what i've launched at relion we only launched actually in late 2021 so it's a very new company but at the same time within a short period of time frame we've been able to move really fast we've developed actually second life technology where our goal was that actually maybe if we can develop something which could last for you know longer than 10 years so going up to 15 years then it would be really encouraging and exciting what we've been able to do now is that we've taken batteries that have already been in use for 10 years in their first life in electric vehicles we've t- even taken those batteries and have real world data we've taken it beyond like 20 years of life beyond their first life through accelerated testing utilizing the technology that we developed 
So I'm really encouraged with what we've done within such a short period of time frame. And looking out to the next 12 to 18 months, we're taking this technology out to the customers and deploying it in the real world conditions where this will be used for grid stabilization while reducing actually electricity bills for the end users while also doing actually renewable integration. We talked a little bit about the weather and the need for urgency. What is your vision for what the earth might look like in the next 10, 20, 30 years? I mean, is the human race going to make it? So I'm an optimistic at heart, and that's why actually I believe that we will be able to solve this problem that is in in front of us. But in no way we should look at it as a small problem and not worry about it. We need to worry about it and we need to take it very seriously and we need to bring everybody on board to solve it. What advice do you have for people that want to help in some way? There's multiple things that everybody can do. The first of all, every decision that we make that has an impact on CO2 emissions, which is almost every decision we make with respect to buying any product or deploying any product in our houses and so on, we should always think about what is the CO2 reduction possibility for any decision that we make. That is something that all of us should be doing day in and day out. Second is we should also actually think about how do we reduce our impact on the environment if there are decisions that we can make with respect to utilizing the products for a longer period of time, buying products that have uh, lower emissions and so on, we should be doing that. Lastly, what I would add is we should also not shy away from actually talking to other folks and convincing them as well that we need to reduce CO2 emissions and reduce any impact on the environment so that we can all collectively come together and reduce this big problem that is in front of us. You mentioned product research, like understanding the impact of products. I did interview the founder of a company called Finch, and it's an extension to your browser that when you go on Amazon and you look at products, it tells you the impact of each product that you're looking at on the climate. So it's pretty cool. And it gives you alternatives, like which ones are the least heavy on the planet. For more information, check out Finch's website, choosefinch.com. And if you want to hear from Lizzie Horvitz, the founder and CEO of Finch, check out episode 116, where she was my awesome guest. Yes, excellent. That's a great initiative. And so, for example, you know, one of the easy decisions is, you know, whenever if we want to buy our next car, we should always be going out and buying an electric vehicle rather than an internal combustion engine. And then the same goes for actually deploying solar on homes. So we should be, you know, having solar panels and uh, battery energy storage systems as well. And those are the easy decisions to make whenever we're making a new decision with respect to putting a technology at our homes. I was recently telling a friend of mine that was asking about electric vehicles, but I also know that I have the money to buy electric vehicles and they might not. So I said, if you don't have the money, at least get a hybrid or if you don't have a way to charge it because your home doesn't have an outlet that could charge the vehicle, maybe you don't have a garage, maybe you can't put solar on the house, get a hybrid, maybe buy into a solar program at your utility, find some way. Yes, absolutely agreed. And in terms of electric vehicles, also the the price reduction has taken place significantly and it's only actually improving as we move into the near future. So uh, right now, electric vehicles are almost becoming price competitive with the internal combustion engines. 
Now I remember something I wanted to talk to you about before. People used to talk about the parity price of renewables to carbon-based energy generation. And to me, the question really wasn't just when will solar or wind be less, it's when will solar plus energy storage be less, because then it really is game over. That's correct. And the what happened with the solar industry actually over the last couple of decades is amazing with respect to the initiatives also and the incentives that were coming from the government. It was a positive signal to the market that we should develop this technology and deploy the technologies out in the real world um, with economies of scale, the price reduction took place and so on. And the same thing actually is the market signal that is being given by the government right now. So, for example, within California, now the NEM2, the net metering standards going from 2.0 to the 3.0, the signal that is being given is that now with the addition of solar, we should also be putting in energy storage along with that. And so that's a very positive signal on the battery side. And I think that's going to be a positive development as we look behind in several years. Yeah. And for people who don't understand it, NEM, net energy metering, first, all the energy you put back on the grid, you got full retail credit for, then they came out with 2.0, this is in California, and where you had to pay different fees associated with it. And I think you had to be on time of use, there were other things in 2.0 and 3.0, they're basically just paying you wholesale. So a much less for energy that you return to the grid. And of course, that just brings a fantastic business case to investing in a battery, because then you can store the energy instead of selling it back at wholesale and use it and avoid retail when energy costs the most. So I think that's a great market signal, as you said. Yeah, you explained it well. And with that fun discussion of net metering, I'm going to wrap up this podcast with uh rap you were a phd student when you began it a desire to take care of the planet you believe that batteries bring reliability because renewable generation has intermittent c you don't want an earth that you can fry on and that's the reason you started rely on batteries a second life for them that's your thing a decarbonized grid is what you want to bring thank you so much dr surrender singh amazing thank you lee Surinda gave a great comparison of the potential for batteries to be recycled and have a full second life versus the single-use attribute of gasoline, and it also reduces the need to mine material for new batteries. If you have comments or questions about the podcast, visit my website at crevatenergyinnovations.com and drop me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the Climate Champions podcast series, please subscribe, rate it five stars if you're an Apple user, and tell your climate-concerned friends about it. And check out my new YouTube channel. Just search for The Climate Champions and Lee Crevat. At the conclusion of the podcast, Surrender pointed out the need for people not to shy away from talking to and convincing other folks that we need them to also reduce their carbon emissions. Only by all of us coming together and minimizing impact to the environment can we collectively help 
to mitigate climate change. Mm-hmm.